You are now listening to the Fantasy Whisper Podcast with your hosts, Johnny, Game Time Hicks, and Big Travi. Why, hello and welcome to the Fantasy Whispers Podcast. That's Big Travi, and I'm Johnny Game Time Hicks, and we're here to give you that fantasy football fix on this awesome Tuesday. Welcome, everybody, to the Fantasy Whispers. If this is your first time joining us, thank you so much. Please leave a comment. We'd love to answer it on the show. Also, download our latest podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Follow us on, on Facebook, which we're on right now, or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, any social media platform. We're on it. Just search the Fantasy Whispers. Travis, how are you doing, brother? I am doing so well. You know, summer has officially started, and we're about to get real hot right now. Hot and bothered talking about these top 10 wide receivers, the divas, if you will, of the fantasy football world, the actual football world as well. You know, you've we've talked about it before. Wide receiver was in a state of kind of usurping some of the running backs a couple years ago, but now um, not so much. You know, running backs are being popular again. We'll talk a little bit about more of the consistent wide receivers mm -hmm. and how you can feel comfortable taking them above some running backs early. Absolutely. So I'm pumped for this episode, Johnny. And it's not just any episode. It's, it's number our 10. 10th episode already. So thank you all for joining in. And I also want to thank specifically, we left, we left a specific message at the end of our last podcast. We said, if you want to earn a shout out, all you got to do, super simple, just hit that share button on this video on Facebook, and we will give you a live shout out right now on the show. So I want to shout out to Sterling Hicks, Paris Hicks, my mother. Thank you, mom, for resharing our video. Travis, <laughs> did you notice anybody else who, who liked it? Yeah. Uh, Brett Zabo. Renee uh, Garay, uh, my buddy out in Lake Havasu. Thank you for sharing it. He said he's going to start playing fantasy this year. We appreciate the support, and we hope to make you very successful in your first year. Yep, just keep listening to us, and we will take care of everything. All right, Travis, let's jump into a little news and notes. News and notes from around the NFL. All right, Travis, like always, our news and notes come from the sleeper bot, where we get all the latest updates sent right to our phone. It's pretty nice. All right, Travis. Number one, it's a little bit minor, but it could be something for dynasty owners here. Brady made a comment on IG that he will be playing until 45. Do you believe him? Does it matter? What's your opinion? It matters. Brady is still a guy we consider to be borderline top five at the position. It matters for the Patriots because they, they'll need to know who to draft and how to plan for the future. Do I think he's going to make it to 45? No. I think what we're seeing now is he's finally talking about retirement and he's starting to talk about his kids more and his family. So I don't think he makes it to 45, but at least we know we're getting closer to uh, watching the guy actually retire. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. Cowboys reporter Marcus Mosher reports Alan Hearns was the team's clear cut number one receiver throughout spring practices. Big deal. No deal. Or. Has you interested? Sounds like this Dallas reporter was watching the fantasy whispers because we've already been talking about how Hearns was going to be the number one. So 
you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it, it's just right in line with what we thought was going to happen. As we've discussed several times, we think that Hearns on a lot, in a lot of ways was a better wide receiver than Des Bryant last year. And so therefore we could have a bit of an upgrade at the position at the number one position for Dak Prescott to be throwing to. So keep an eye out on Hearns. Uh, like I said, the metrics show that he was actually very successful last year. All right. Browns running backs coach Freddie Kitchens said the team will ride the, quote, hot hand in the backfield this season. Are you projecting a little bit lower now for Carlos Hyde? There was a little bit of train noise coming out of there a couple of weeks ago about Carlos Hyde potentially getting the first shot at that backfield. They just resigned Duke Johnson. What what, if anything, are you reading into this? Big deal. No Sounds deal. like a lot of smoke screens. It sounds like they want each guy motivated. They want to see what they can do. I think if they're watching, you know, how kind of Philadelphia has ran their offense and they've run in a bunch of different running backs, this is the, kind of the new style. Uh, running back by committee is dominating. Bell cow is disappearing. And what we're seeing is a lot of these teams employing a lot of different running backs so that the backs themselves stay healthier and fresher. Uh, and it just benefits the team on the whole. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that backfield. All right. The Tampa Bay times, Greg Allman believes Ryan Griffin has a major opportunity to pass Ryan Fitzpatrick on the depth chart and start for the Bucks during three game Winston suspension. Travis, does this make you concerned for drafting guys like Mike Evans or uh, their, their running back Royce Freeman? Yeah. Cause one of the points I'll make, you know, with Mike Evans later is that Ryan Fitzpatrick has been known to pepper guys. Uh, if he locks onto a guy, he'll feed him quite a bit. So in terms of fantasy, I like that for Mike Evans. If we're talking about an unknown in, in Griffin here, uh, we don't exactly know what he's going to do. If he's going to come in and like possession receivers, tight ends like uh, Cameron Braid, OJ Howard, are those guys going to get more looks because he is a rookie and that uh, the stats line up with that. So I'd w I would be a little bit concerned there. Just keep an eye on that because we may need to, you may need to be a little more hesitant on those first three games for Mike Evans. And sorry, I think I said Royce Freeman. I meant Ronald Jones, the oh, yeah. second uh, in Tampa Bay. That is the projected starter. At least that's what we think. Yeah, right. I mean, I will. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, I will say a small note on Ronald Jones is that if Griffin is the starter, I kind of like that a little bit more for Ronald Jones. They might lean more on the run with a rookie quarterback. That's definitely uh, so. a good point there. All right, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinels' Michael Cohen spotted Randall Cobb wearing a walking boot on his right foot. Travis's cause for concern, Randall Cobb has had his fair share of injuries, and we are projecting him to be a pretty solid sleeper this year. But does this yeah. make you kind of hesitate on drafting him now, or do you think it's far enough away from the season where it's not really going to be too effective on his regular season? Yeah, he was a little mum, mum's the word a bit uh, when they asked him about any kind of surgery or anything. But the big thing is, is like you said, it's late June. He's got time to heal. And from what I'm reading all online and kind of looking at the guys I like to when I'm following the Packers, uh, it sounds like this is not a big deal. He's going to be ready to go by week one. So I would just monitor that. But I still like Randall Cobb as a big bounce back candidate this year. All right. And that ends it for our news and notes. Travis, are you ready to jump in here? Let's, Let's do, do it, baby. This. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I got it on that one. Oh, yeah. That just happened. You never know. That just goes to show you never know what's going to happen on this show. All right, Travis. I think that when this show ends, you know, and once we've retired with our our uh, dynasty is is finished, basically, Johnny's going to be able to go to the voice that or be the king of karaoke. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I got a, I got a career after this. All right. All right. Speaking of who has a career, Antonio Brown has a great career so far. Travis, we have him as our number one fantasy wide receiver. Is this this is not a surprise here, but just reassure the people why taking Antonio Brown as their number one overall wide receiver off the board is not a ridiculous move. Well, if we just talk about last year, so let's just break it down to last year to give you a taste of what he came off of. 155 times he was targeted. He caught 101 of those balls and he had nine touchdowns. So 1,533 yards. If Big Ben is back, which we now know he is, I still like, you know, uh, business to be normal there. Yeah, as Brett Sabo says, there's tier one of Antonio Brown. Basically, there's Antonio, who is greater than everyone else. And it's hard to argue with that because he's only missed six games over the past three years. And he's had 100 catches in five straight years. So, I mean, you just look at it. The model of consistency at running back or wide receiver over the past half decade has been Antonio Brown. I mean, you don't have anything in your stats there, Johnny, that's going to argue that, do you? No, nothing at all. I mean, his last or his his worst finish in the last five years has been wide receiver six. And he's been no worse than wide receiver three in the last four years. He's so consistent as, and he's the most consistent as they as they come as far as fantasy wide receivers go. Over the last three years, he has finished as a wide receiver one or two on a weekly basis, sixty nine percent of the time. So you love to see that. You know he's not gonna bust that often. To me, even if you include the running backs, he is one of the safest options in this first round, and I don't think that you know of course I'm going wide receivers off the first three but once you get to that fourth pick it gets kind of dicey uh you know not dicey but it, it you want to pause and think and give a real consideration for Antonio Brown his his w- line of work definitely sums up why he should be up there near the top for drafts Agreed. all right coming in at the number two wide receiver a guy that's kind of close to your heart because your your number one quarterback that you love is throwing him the pigskin this year. Travis, tell us why DeAndre Hopkins is going to benefit so much from having potentially a full season of Deshaun Watson at the helm and what potential Deshaun Ho- uh, DeAndre Hopkins could have. Yeah, so he's pro football fo- focuses number four wide receiver in yards per route one run. Um, and, you know, you look at last year, he had the the 13 touchdowns. He was stellar. He was the number one wide receiver in all of fantasy last year. He's young. He's only 26. But I think what's important to realize is that he was successful with or without elite quarterback play. You look at the games where he was with De- uh, Deshaun Watson. He had the six catches, 90 yards and six touchdowns over that span. So he averaged six catches, averaged 90 yards, and he had six touchdowns in those six starts. You look at after week eight, 
Uh, Hopkins added seven more touchdowns. And we're talking about with guys, TJ Yates, Tom Savage. I mean, some garbage quarterback play. So he, his ability to succeed with either quarterback or anybody there makes you excited about his consistency as a wide receiver, meaning that you can feel comfortable drafting this guy with the likes of running backs that are getting the ball 15 times a game because he's being targeted so much. And then so you add in Deshaun Watson, who has played quarterback at the elite level at times, and I, I just get more excited for DeAndre Hopkins. What about you, Johnny? Yeah, when you're looking at DeAndre Hopkins, you, he does have a slightly bigger bus rate over the last three seasons than a Antonio Brown. He's got 28% over the last three years. So that is definitely solidifies why Antonio Brown should be in front of DeAndre Hopkins. He's a little bit more volatile as well. His last four finishes being 14-4, and first. So we've seen what the ceiling is, but we've also seen, unfortunately, what that floor would be, and that's wide receiver 29. He's got the ninth easiest wide receiver schedule amongst wide receivers, so I do like that for him. He's had 19 red zone targets last year. He had the highest contested rate amongst wide receivers at 29% yet he was still able to come down with the ball 80% of those times. So essentially, if he's being, it's a contested catch, you can be pretty confident he's going to come down with it. And as a gunslinger of Deshaun Watson, who loves to throw in tight windows, doesn't really care about double coverage or anything like that, you have to love that as a, a DeAndre Hopkins owner, excuse me. So for me, he is definitely that second wide receiver that should come off the board and I think that he can definitely repeat as the wide receiver one as long as DeAndre Hopkins Sean Watson. or Deshaun Watson can really throw him and stay healthy. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. It, it, there is not really a threat to DeAndre Hopkins being productive per se, but there is a threat to him being that top-tier wide receiver if Watson isn't there you yeah. feel much more comfortable, like you said, of him repeating that elite effort with Watson on the field. Yep. Speaking of staying on the field, we're going to jump to our fourth wide receiver here, and that's Odell Beckham Jr. This guy is superior talent, and as far as I'm concerned, probably if we're honest with each other, one of the most, if not the most, gifted wide receiver there is in the league Travis, should he be the third overall wide receiver or are are you concerned with his, his injuries coming into this? And maybe the fact that now they have targets in the Giants backfield, they have a lot of weapons, at least on paper, this offense looks one of the best in the NFL. Yeah, I think that his, you know, me ranking him at number three and you likewise kind of reflects his his concern. Because otherwise, I'd be putting him right up there with Antonio Brown as far as gifted guys that we know produce. 35 touchdowns in three seasons, that's ranks fifth best. But in his first three seasons, OBJ has trailed only Randy Moss in all-time stats as far as 4,122 receiving yards. So the guy is prolific. He's doing what legends have done. Yeah. And you just think about what Shermer did last year with Diggs and Thielen. And I'm really starting to salivate at the idea of OBJ catching a lot of different style of routes, a lot of different concepts that Shermer's going to get worked in there. 
the addition of Saquon Barkley is going to help him because the, you know, the defense is going to have to stay honest. They're not going to be able to just prevent the pass as they were to do last year. I think, you know, prior to last year's injury, he was a top five wide receiver in three straight years. I don't think that there should be much concern. I think the injury happened at a good time to where he was able to heal. You look at all these Instagram videos he's putting up now where he's just shooting hoops and he's just looking completely ripped. I think the guy is ready. Yeah, got a little bit of a man crush here on yeah. OBJ. Like, Whoa. Well, a little, little, uh, <laughs> flip there, huh? Yeah, no, I think OBJ is legit. I think my only concern is not the injury. My only concern would be, you know, his attitude and the way he acts and some of the videos that came out here in the offseason, you know, him with some illegal substances or whatever. The Giants say no. they're aware. The NFL's it, been it, hush. Travis, it was a cigar, okay? Yeah. Was, well, <laughs> yeah, there was some oh, there's some white powder. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's like it looked like an episode of Narcos. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing that I'm not so concerned about that because when you look at what he's doing compared to some of the other guys like Julio Jones, David Johnson, Sam Sam Darnold, or not Sam Darnold, sorry. Uh, Aaron Darnold. Aaron Darnold, excuse me, thank you. All these guys are on holdouts, which is interesting because Odell Beckham isn't holding out. He's actually reporting to training camp. And this is a contract year. He wants to get paid like a quarterback and he thinks he's the best. I think that when he's healthy, his talent is right up there with the uh, Antonio Brown and Deandre Hopkins, Pat Shermer, like you were talking about, will use him all over the field, which will free him up. He is one of the best wide receivers when it comes to man uh, success rate versus man coverage. And like I was just saying, he's on one of the best offensives on paper. You got OBJ, Sterling Shepard, Ingram, and Saquon Barkley out of the backfield. The Giants have the sixth easiest schedule for wide receivers this season. So if you're drafting from a late spot, I really like starting off those first two picks with OBJ and Melvin Gordon. If if you get those two to start off your roster, I think you're you're setting yourself up for a really good season coming up yeah and, and the same kind of situation because you could do like obj and Devonte freeman obj right. and dalvin cook i mean you're looking at guys mm -hmm. you can pair him if you're not feeling too comfortable about picking this you know diva star wide receiver and you're not so sure about doing wide receiver early you can pair him with a running back as johnny's saying in those first two rounds and then you feel a little bit reassured and I think you're going to, it's going to pay off big. You know, you're going to be very happy after drafting OBJ this year. The metrics are there for the contract year narrative. And I, I, I think this guy's poised and ready for, he kind of needed something like this. Don't you think, yeah. don't you think I, he I, needed this injury a little bit to yeah. kind of like get his head right. And I think he's done that. He's put in all the work. He looks phenomenal. He's ready to go. Yeah. Kind of like the rap song goes, be humble. And that's what that injury seems to have done. Speaking of a rap song, Johnny. All right. Why don't you play a little something for these guys? In the video, me and Julio, Jeff Bob schoolyard. Yeah, that's right. Julio Jones down by the schoolyard. Basically, Julio Jones is going schoolyard on all these guys. He has been legit 
even in a down year last year, Johnny, he finishes the seventh best wideout. Now, if you're kind of looking at those, though, uh, those numbers from last year, 20% of those points came from week 15, that monster yeah. game against Tampa Bay. So that kind of scares me. He didn't score in 14 games last year. He only scored three touchdowns, even though he ranked eighth in red zone wide receiver targets at 19. So, I mean, it's kind of tough, but at the same time, he was still a beast in a lot of ways. 1,444 receiving yards last year. That finished second in the NFL. The big story for me is that Atlanta and Julio Jones are positive touchdown regression candidates. The guy only scored three touchdowns last year, and I know Johnny's going to try and tell me that he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, and it's true. He, he is not a huge touchdown guy, but if me and Johnny keeps saying he needs to score touchdowns and the world screaming at Steve Sarkeesian to throw you know, more balls towards Julio in the red zone, I think eventually that you know the numbers have to work out, Johnny. They have to score more touchdowns with Julio Jones. Yeah, I mean, you talk about squeaky wheel gets the grease and the biggest story that everybody talks about all the time is his touchdowns. And so I do figure that at some point they have to address that. However, when we look at Julio Jones entire career, he's never really been a touchdown guy. He the most touchdowns he's ever gotten in a single year is 10 touchdowns and that was it. The other times he's his ceiling has been eight. He's hit eight twice. He's hit six twice. So you got to think that the average right around seven. But here's the thing. Julio is so safe with his yardage. He's getting you 1,400 yards out, you know, over the last four years. He's gotten you over 1,400 receiving yards. So he's got a super high floor. And to me, it's just whether he's going to get those those touchdowns. But what I like in his favor is that he has the fourth easiest schedule amongst wide receivers. So I have to think that he will get more touchdowns certainly than he did last year. And it's going to, I do think he'll have somewhat bounce back to the norm of between six to eight touchdowns. So for me, Julio Jones is really safe and he's also falling though, because of the lack of touchdowns and everyone's just thinking about, Oh, he only had three touchdowns. I'm not going to draft him because he doesn't have that upside. But people forget how consistent he is with his yardage. So for me, I love Julio. He's going in the second round oftentimes. And, you know, if you're lucky enough to get like Saquon and Julio, got to love that start. Yeah. Yeah. The His value is probably never going to be where it is right now. And it hasn't been that way in the last couple of years. So right. it's a good, it's a good, He's a huge bounce back candidate just because of the numbers from the red zone target, the down tick in touchdowns. I think you'd, you know, you're, you're playing with house money by drafting Julio Jones this year. Yep. All right. Speaking of house money and someone that I don't think you should pay with house money with, and that's AJ green. But Travis, before I make my argument, are you with me in that you're a little uncertain about AJ green or I think, I think you're tilting the other way. Yeah, right now I'm kind of basing it on the years prior. If you look at six of the last seven seasons, A.J. Green has topped 1,000 yards, even last year's disappointing season. On a points-per-game basis, A.J. has never finished outside the top 12 at the wide receiver position in seven years. Uh, the Bengals' issues last year were mostly on the offensive line. We touched on it a little bit in the Joe Mixon 
a situation in our running backs episode, but they've made those key additions on the offensive line. This should keep Andy Dalton upright, which will allow him to pepper AJ green, which is he, we, which is what he's done for years with AJ green. Uh, so my only concern is really if that line doesn't mesh, we could be looking at some of the same situation, but I like AJ, man. He's another one like Julio where he's just consistent. You know what you're going to get. You know, as far as targets are concerned, you know, he's going to be peppered with those targets. The only concern for me is, you know, he's getting up there in age. He turns 30 next month. So the clock is ticking. But like I said, consistency and lack of other premier weapons around him makes AJ Green kind of a safe pick. Yeah, for me, he's a gamble. And I'll tell you why. You mainly focused on it at the end there with his age. And it's not as much of an age drop off and you see a major decline like it is in running backs. And we, we touched on that a few episodes ago with Le'Veon Bell. But you certainly see that players start wearing down at the age of 30. And when you look at his past few years, he has finished as a wide receiver one for the last six years. So you like to see that consistency. Andy Dalton is still throwing the rock and Andy Dalton loves uh, AJ Green. But the amount of press coverage that A.J. Green saw last year was amongst the highest in A.J. Green's career, and that was 78%. And he didn't do that well against the press coverage. He actually had statistically his worst year as far as that when you look at that aspect of his game. He's not really creating separation like he used to. He only finished as a wide receiver one or two in eight of the 16 weeks last year. So he busted on half of the games that he played. They have the seventh hardest schedule when it comes to uh, the wide receivers. And I think AJ, AJ Green is more of a risk than my counterpart here, Big Travi. But if people keep doubting him as much as like I do right now, he could definitely drop in, fan, in drafts. And if you can swoop him up in the third round, if it gets that bad, I'm okay with that because I think he'll be a really good wide receiver too if that's where you're going. Or if you you know do double stack of running back and then A.J. Green is your, your number one wide receiver in that case, you take him in the third round. I'm okay with that. I just think where his current value is right now, it's a little too steep and it's a little concerning for me to have confidence in that pick. But a guy that I don't mind picking and I have a lot more confidence in, and that's Michael Thomas out of the Saints. Travis, are you as excited and pumped up for Michael Thomas as I am heading into the season? Or do you have concerns about maybe Cameron Meredith coming into the show and maybe stealing some targets or them continuing with this run option or run first team? No, I'm not, I'm not concerned about Cameron Meredith. And, and I'll just tell you why. Thomas had a superb sophomore outing. If you look at his targets, he was seventh in all of the NFL in targets with 139. He was third in receptions with 104. And those 104 receptions was a New Orleans Saints record. So you think about all these years that Drew Brees has been around chucking the ball and the most receptions in a single season were done last year by Michael Thomas in the year that New Orleans was running the ball just so much. So for me, I just, I think I know who New Orleans knows as their guy, and that's Michael Thomas, especially Drew Brees. He was sixth in yards with 1,245. He's reportedly added muscle because he wants to help combat those a, double teams. Because he was a stick. 
because he's a stick. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, and he was, you know, those 50-50 balls, he was not competing. You're going to talk about a little bit of some of the touchdowns that he wasn't able to grab. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a situation there. Uh, for me, the Mark Ingram suspension may actually help uh, Michael Thomas here. I think that the Saints may end up throwing a little bit more in those early games as to not beat down on Alvin Kamara. With all that production last year, he still only scored five touchdowns. I think that's just that just means that he's going to score more this year because I just think that he's he's poised and ready to take another leap. I don't see anything to say he's not going to. I'm not afraid of Cameron Meredith. They don't have any tight ends that are eating up a bunch of targets. Breeze is going to do Breeze things per Brett Zabo and Gin's vulture success last year isn't sustainable. Yeah, I would. That's a good point. point. That's a nice point about Ted Ginn Jr. kind of being a vulture there. I just I think there's too much good here to ignore with Michael Thomas. He's consistent as they come in the last two years. Johnny, anything in his any crack in his armor, so to speak for you? Travis, this guy has finished seventh in his first year, sixth in his second year. So that just means he's going to be fifth this year, right? Like it's got to, it's got to be the way of the way it's trending. We look at trends when we're predicting fantasy football. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Don't, don't bank on that right there. But I do think Michael Thomas has a really good case to be a top fantasy wide receiver. You look at, he, you talked about the touchdowns, right? He only had three or you only had five, excuse me. Well, as a Michael Thomas owner last year, and trust me, I needed every single point that I could possibly get last year. I watched Michael Thomas closer than anyone because he was my best player. And there were at least three instances where Michael Thomas caught a touchdown. And then it was like inches were, you know, he either stepped out by like his, his toe just barely grazed the white line or he was just short of the goal line. So you take those three touchdowns and all of a sudden he has eight. We're not having this conversation because eight touchdowns for a wide receiver in a year is pretty good. And then you pair that with what he's, what he's doing in the passing game. You got to like that. I do think that there is going to be more touchdowns coming his way. They did bring in Cameron Meredith. Like I, like I told you, but, or like I said earlier, but I do think that this will help Michael Thomas because Teams won't necessarily be able to double team him as much next year. But even when he was double teamed, he still had 69% catch rate. So, and like you said, he's bulking up. So that can only help with that. He's second behind only Antonio Brown and targeted over 10 times a catch rate of 69%. Uh, Antonio Brown is up there at, I believe like 78%, which is ridiculous. But yeah. I, I really do love Michael Thomas this year in standard and in PPR. But in PPR, I would rank him probably around that fifth spot, to be honest with you, in PPR rankings. And I'm, I'm excited for Michael Thomas this year. If I can get him on my teams, I'm going to try to get him. As excited as you are, I think Tony Romo was a little more excited about another guy last year. Alan just, wow, great route running and then the finish. That's the, look at that. Whoop. Yep. Up there. And hey, bummer again. <laughs> I mean, he, me. could, he couldn't Tom, even. Tony Romo is the best f- announcer. He's hands down. Tell, tell me if I'm wrong. Is there anyone better? I don't know, man. I think he needs to come on the show and tell us a little bit about Keenan Allen some more. 
we, we got to work on getting him here. We got to work <laughs> on getting him here. If anybody's watching this, you just you share this and you tag Tony Romo in it, and let's see if we can't get him on the show, man. No, I oh, think man. that I think that Tony Romo got a taste, and we all got a, a taste of finally what Keenan Allen is capable of. He had always been knocked for the injury thing, although a lacerated kidney and some of these things were a lot fr- more freakish than they were had to do with him actually playing football. For me, volume is the name of the game with Keenan Allen. He hit career highs in targets, receptions, and yards. And if you look at these numbers, 147 targets, 102 catches, uh, 1,393 yards, these are all up there as far as elite possession wide receivers. My concern with him is that only 7.5% of his targets went over 20 yards, which is a league low for players that see at least 60% of their team snap. So he's not going to explode for these deep, long routes, but he is an elite route runner, and he will be a focal point of the Chargers passing offense because as we are talking right now, they still have not re-signed Gates, and Hunter Henry is hurt. So I think they're going to roll with Virgil Green, which – to me, I'm not afraid of him eating into any kind of targets for uh, Keenan Allen. And I actually think that Keenan Allen is just going to see an uptick in targets, an uptick in usage for this offense. And maybe, you know, Melvin Gordon will get an uptick as well. Second highest red zone targets in the league last year that Keenan Allen had with 24. So the touchdown should stay about relatively the same, if not more. And I just think he can easily reproduce the, uh, situation that he was in last year what what are your thoughts on Keenan Allen Johnny I love Keenan Allen this year when you're looking at his statistics from last year he had a 62 percent catch rate against double teams last year that's unheard of he was the third best catch percentage against man coverage we really saw like you said what Keenan Allen can do and when he over the last four weeks or sorry from weeks um 11 to weeks 14, he was averaging 19.5 points per game. That was super nice for those fantasy owners that happened to, you know, either trade for him. Thanks, Travis, or (laughs) had actually, you know, dealt with him all throughout the season. And they really got a glimpse of what this guy can actually produce. You talked about the tight ends, but even with tight ends last year, Keenan Allen still saw 27% of the target share. So I'm not even worried about what kind of tight end that they get because I only see that number, you know, going up. I, you know, it could come down maybe to 25, but there's not really a lot there as far as a go-to Philip rivers, as we know, loves to go to one wide receiver when, when he needs it, like a clutch guy, Antonio Gates was that guy for the longest time. Now it seems to move on to Keenan Allen. So I love Keenan Allen going into this year. I think he's a great value at where he's going and he's kind of flying under the radar as far as, you know, with those other names that are in the mix right here. I like Keenan Allen. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. His value is not going to be where it was last year. He was going in the fourth round last year and that was just incredible. Uh, But yeah, I agree. I think as far as, what he can do usage wise and who he can be for that offense. You're going to be hard pressed to find a guy that's going to get, get as much value uh, or a volume. I'm sorry, in his offense. And he competes with guys up there as far as target levels and catches of Antonio Brown and, and Deandre Hopkins. So 
yeah, I do. I do think the value is still there. It's still nice. Somebody else who might be getting a little bit of disrespect just because of the fact that he hasn't done it at the elite level that long is Devonte Adams. Mm-hmm. So Devonte Adams is our number eight guy consensus. He is the number eight in our rankings, but he is the number one in Aaron Rodgers's heart because Jordy Nelson is gone now. And so there is an heir apparent for the Aaron Rodgers touchdown dynasty and that is going to be Devontae Adams. As the number one in Green Bay, his projected targets are going to be an average. They've been an average of 145 between 2014 and 2016. So you're looking at about 145 targets up for grabs for that number one guy for Rodgers. There are consistency issues for me with Devontae Adams, as I said, because he's never topped 1,000 yards. But once again, he hasn't been in this role yet, and I think that if you look at his catch percentage every year, it's gone up. So he's been kind of morphing into this role. And you could kind of say that Aaron Rodgers has been grooming him for this role. His catch percentage has gone from 53.2 to 62 to a 63.5 last year. So he's getting better each and every year. And then you're like, okay, well, how did he do with subpar talent? Because the big concern would be like, is is if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, hurt again, am I screwed by picking a guy like Devontae Adams in the first or second round? In Hunley's starts last year, Adams was quite successful. He had 92 catches, 1,086 yards, and he had 10 touchdowns. And one of the coolest stats I found is that Devontae Adams is the only wide receiver in the NFL to have double-digit touchdowns in back-to-back years with with these back-to-back years in 2016 he had 10 and or I'm sorry in 2016 he had 12 and in 2017 he had 10 so this guy has touchdown prowess with or without Aaron Rodgers and you know with Aaron Rodgers he's going to roll out extend the play he's going to be looking for guys that move and Devontae Adams is going to be the senior guy in those schoolyard plays yeah I mean I when you're looking at Devontae Adams he only had 21 percent market share of of the passing there and I do expect that to go up with Jordy Nelson gone. Um, he has one of the most accurate quarterbacks throwing him the ball in Aaron Rodgers. He finished as the wide receiver eight two years ago. And he's during the last two years, he's been the eighth most consistent wide receiver. So for me, I love Aaron Rod or I love, yeah, I do love Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and I also love Devontae Adams. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but Travis, I got a bigger number, a, a string of numbers here that I think that you would be really interested in and definitely as a fantasy community, we should look at, and that's number two, number one, number 30, number two, number 13, and number four. Those are the finishes for Aaron Rodgers' number one wide receivers over the last six years. I didn't include what the year where Aaron Rodgers only played, you know, a few, he didn't play a full season, but You've got to look at those numbers. Don't lie. If you're the number one wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers team, you're going to be a surefire fantasy starter every single week. The worst finish is number 30. And I just think that was kind of an outlier year, if anything. So I think that he has the ceiling of a top five wide receiver and he has the floor of being a low end RB uh, wide receiver one, in my opinion. So I think Devonte Adams the guy I have on the wall here is super reliable. Yeah, talk- I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. If yeah, if we're gonna talk about a reliable guy, let's talk mm-hmm. about how reliable uh Adam Thielen has been for the Minnesota Vikings. I, I got a little surprise for you here, Travis. Uh, oh yeah. 
Are you hooked on a Thielen? I am kind of hooked on a Thielen. If you're breaking down the stats here, between Diggs and Adam Thielen last year, they combined for 2,125 yards and 12 touchdowns. Now, if you're looking at Kirk Cousins last year, or you know, in the last three years, he's thrown for 4,000-plus yards or at least 25 touchdowns in the past three years. So what does that mean, Johnny? It means likely an uptick for Thielen or, you know, for Diggs and Thielen under Cousins. So if he only scored, you know, you got Adam Thielen only scoring 45, four touchdowns last year. 45 yeah. would be insane. Uh, <laughs> if, he would be going number one. <laughs> Adam Thielen only scored four touchdowns last year with those bright yellow gloves. I expect that number to go up, man. Just another guy that I'm excited about positive touchdown regression with, and that's Adam Thielen. He was ninth in total targets last year with 135. I think my only concern here with Johnny would be, will he not have the chemistry with Kirk Cousins? Will it be kind of like a, a Diggs thing? Will Diggs be the guy for Cousins? So it's something to watch um, and something to listen to those beat writers as they talk about it. Uh, but for me, I think Thielen's talent wins out. He's, you know, one of those chip on the shoulder guys. He's been cut. Uh, by several different places and he barely made it through school and he's just he's got that you know hard nose at uh attitude. work ethic yeah, yeah an attitude so what are your thoughts johnny well we saw the in the increase in production last season because they started moving adam thielen into the slot position where he d- isn't up against man press coverage every single play when they did this, he he ran more than 40% out of the slot last year, and he is really good in that slot position when he doesn't have to worry about fighting through, uh, you know, the cornerback the, the and the beginning of the play, then he, he is an excellent wide receiver. He excels at contested catches. 18% of his catches were contested, and he still was able to snag 87% of these throws. He ranked amongst the worst in the red zone, though, and he only had a 29% completion percentage there. So I do have a concern with him, you know, in the red zone. Diggs, if you're looking at his, he's at 85%. Kyle Rudolph was at 88%. So I think that with Kirk Cousins coming in, I mean, the numbers don't lie. They're, I mean, he could try to build a little bit of chemistry there, but you're going to go to the guys who you're uh, super relied, uh, you know, that you're going to rely on the most when you're near the red zone. And for Adam Thielen, he struggles in that area. He had 17 red, uh, red zone targets last year in the end zone. Well, Jameson Crowder, which you could say Jameson Crowder played the same position as Adam Thielen. He only had 14. So is he going to get this major uptick? I I don't see that. What I do project is that once we get closer to the season and more information comes about about the beat writers and and stuff like that, that Adam Thielen and Diggs will actually be pretty similar. You know, you'll see them going around the same time in drafts because of that uncertainty on who's going to be the number one wide receiver. Are they going to put Diggs in the slot? if Adam Thielen goes to the outside, he's going to struggle a little bit more. So to me, yeah. to me right now, Diggs is the more safe, safe gamble to go with because he comes, he's a little bit deeper in the draft and I see his production being pretty similar to Adam Thielen, but I do like Adam Thielen. 
Yeah, I think you're right as far as the values there. I, I guess I'll just kind of reiterate what I said there about Cousins throwing for 4,000 yards and 25 touchdowns in the past three years, which means I think that there's going to be a lot to eat there in Minnesota as far as the passing game's concerned. If you're looking at Diggs and Thielen, who were both fantasy-relevant wide receivers, they had 2,000 yards and 12 touchdowns. So there's room for growth there and for them both to be kind of even, I think. So I think we kind of address Brett Zabo's comment here is, is Diggs being there a pro or a con worried that Diggs will, you know, poach targets and will be presence up, you know, eat his presence up with Thielen on, on the field. And I do, I do think that will happen. And, but I'm, I'm more confident in Diggs this year than I am Adam Thielen as far as value as of right now. Now, later on, if that changes, I do like Thielen's talent. So that's one thing going. Yeah. And I think uh, something that uh, Brett's talking about there on the side of the field, remember that like Johnny stated, you know, they move Thielen to the slot. They know that Thielen's the slot guy. They're going to try and use Diggs a lot more on the outside, just based on his pure route running ability and ability to beat man coverage. But I do, I think both guys are going to, like I said, I'll say it again. I think both guys are going to be valuable. It's just about your preference, what you need when you get to that spot, when Thielen's on the board, Mm -hmm. if you can wait and get a guy like Diggs, the value might be better. Yep. Speaking about a value based on the fact that Jameis Winston suspended our 10th guy on our 10th episode is Mike Evans. Uh, He will be rounding out our top 10. Johnny, Talk about why this suspension kind of drops Mike Evans and adds a little bit of value and intrigue to Mike Evans this year. Well, when people start looking at his numbers, they're going to get a little bit concerned because of Jameis Winston not being there. But a little bit of positive news about Mike Evans is that he has finished as a wide receiver one or two every single year in his career. He's the number one option on what should be a really good offense, at least on paper. Mike Evans had a whopping 30% of his targets be contested catches, though, which is concerning when you're talking about maybe another rookie uh, quarterback coming in or if Ryan Fitzpatrick, he might not be willing to throw those to him as much as a guy like Jameis Winston, who's known to be kind of a gunslinger there. Having Deshaun Jackson does help him, so He does have a a direct correlation between the health of Deshaun Jackson and how well he does because he tends to get double teamed a lot less. But when you're talking about his red zone targets, I mean, or sorry, in the end zone, he's had 19 targets. That's 22% of his whole entire target share for his team. So I'm I'm not really concerned about the, the red zone targets here. What has me concerned is the fact that we're not going to get Jameis Winston for the first, four, first three games. And then, you know, you never know what kind, what does Jameis Winston develop a better chemistry with Deshaun Jackson, starts going to him a little bit more. I have my concerns about Mike Evans, but kind of like Adam Thielen, if he falls to me or AJ Green, if he falls to that third third round, I'm loving that value there. In the second round, usually he's going midway. He's a little bit riskier for me to take at that point. What about you, Travis? Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about Mike Evans if compared to some of these other guys, he is just a like he is just a phenomenal talent. If you think about the best in the game, you think about your boy over there in Arizona, Larry Fitzgerald. 
And then who did Larry Fitzgerald play ball boy for a little bit? Randy Moss in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So you think about those two guys, Mike Evans joins those guys as the only three players in the history of the NFL to get 300 receptions, 4,500 receiving yards, and 30 touchdowns before they were 25 years old. So he is up there with elite talent as far as what he's able to do. I think the Jameis suspension does hurt his value a bit, but if Fitzpatrick gets named the guy, which I kind of hope he does, he will feed Evans a bit. So I I, I think that he's willing to do that. You talked about his end zone targets. I'm going to just expand it out a little bit, talk about the red zone targets. So from the 20-yard line in, he led the league with 41. So this guy only scored those five touchdowns last year, but had 41 opportunities, give or take, that he could have scored on. And you could have easily been sitting here going, he scored 10 touchdowns last year. So I think that it's all there for him for the taking. They know what they want to do. They want to run the ball a little bit more. They want to play to that defense. And they want to toss it up to Mike Evans in the red zone. And I think that he is their biggest and best weapon there. And I think that, like you said, the way he's slipping, his value becomes a little bit nice if he slips a little bit farther, if he maintains this going into draft season in a couple months. All right. Thank you guys so much. That wraps up our top 10 wide receivers. We will be going live against next Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And check out our mock draft Monday. We released one, a PPR one last week. We'll be doing another one this week on Monday. Thank you for watching. If you haven't already, please go and like our Facebook page and subscribe on YouTube as well as get our latest podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Just search the Fantasy Whispers podcast or go to thefantasywhispers.com. Until next time, I'm Johnny Game Time Hicks, and that's Big Travi, and we're out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.